Hello, welcome to another Harvard Library Innovation Lab podcast. This is David Weinberger. I talked with Allison Head, who is a research scientist in University of Washington's Information School and a fellow at Harvard's Berkman Center for Internet and Society, who has recently published a study done with Michael Eisenberg called Balancing Act, How College Students Manage Technology While in the Library During Crunch Time, in which they discovered that students actually manage their multimedia and multitasking better than many of us have suspected. What we did in the study in October is we looked at something that we'd wanted to look at a lot in our ongoing study at the University of Washington in the information school, and that is the use of technology during crunch time in the library setting, how students manage the technology, um, how they use technology in that particular setting, especially when they were under the most intense pressure as possible a couple of weeks before finals. Something that was unique about the study that we decided to do, and actually a reason that we did the study, is that we uh, went into the library setting. We used a, a multi-cluster random sampling methodology. We studied a number of different students in different settings, 10 different institutions, and what we did is we took an inventory of what students were using and then also what applications they were using as well as the websites that they had up and running. And um, usually behind a study there is some question, so often a political question. You're trying to resolve something that's, that's currently at issue. Is that the case here? It is. I, you know, it, our research at PIL has often looked at the use of libraries, uh, at the same time, we've looked overall at how students today, the born digitals, as it were, how they navigate the information landscape. As we know, s students today may not be that different as far as the hardwiring in their brains, although that's disputed as well by some cognitive psychologists. But what we were looking at is their use of information resources. And as you know, David, technology is a huge component. Uh, that can't be excluded in this process. So uh, we really did want to look particularly about at the use of libraries, but also uh, about how students were choosing to manage technology. Underlying, uh, you talk about the question, what's the burning question? For us as research, uh, researchers, we're really interested in whether students were really the multitasking generation? Were they always on? Were they always plugged in? Did they have this multitude of different technologies running all at the same time? Which, if you read, well, you read mass media, we're led to believe that or a number of different studies. Students are always on, you walk through a library, you walk through a campus, everybody's connected. Everybody's always on. Are they? And did you come up with a convenient yes or no answer? The answer is no. That's the short answer. We can end okay. the interview thank here. Okay, well, thank you for asking me. No, actually, what we found was um, that, and, and it was a surprise to us, the large majority, and that was 85% of the sample, were using just one or two devices, and uh, that was usually a laptop and a cell phone, the requisite cell phone. More students had the cell phone than did not, and were using um, just one or two websites they had up and running and or in their desktop and had used in the last hour. Not so, something that had been left over from the night before. As we know, a lot of students, all of us, use the desktop for organizing the types of things that we're working on from day to day. 
But um, we found that 85% of the sample actually uh, were doing one or two primary tasks, predominantly coursework, then communication, which I think accounts for the cell phone usage, but lesser so, and this is where it's interesting when you look at the numbers, lesser so students were about 6% were using their technology for entertainment purposes or for personal research, uh, satisfying a curiosity. At the time we did the study, actually, um, it was the royal wedding. And um, in fact, it occurred in some settings when we were out in the field at these 10 different campuses. And even with the things that were going on at the time, this percentage was very low. This tells us that students are paring down the technology that they use. They're, um, certainly students may be multitaskers, but what we discovered in the library setting during crunch time is that students were not avid multitaskers. In the report, we say, Surely they exist, but after interviewing a sample of 560 students at a, in 11 different libraries over a two-month period, depending on when their finals weeks were, we could conclude that most of the students in our sample, 85%, were not avid multitaskers. So they were using, generally they were using uh, the two types of equipment, they were using technology, and they only had uh, two windows open, is that um, they're only using a couple of applications, except for the 6% well, that were... Well, um, what we did, we just kept digging down and taking layer after, after layer with our, with our inventory. We would approach a student, ask if they wanted to be involved in the study, and then we would ask them a number of questions about what kind of tasks they had been doing in the library. Had they been, been doing tasks related to studying, preparing an assignment, as well as, in the last hour, had they been doing tasks that use library resources and services, which was another set of findings, but gave us data. Online services from the library. Well, also, but the reference desk. You know, were they getting up? How were they using the library? So that helped us answer that particular question. But um, with our inventory, what we did is we asked students, okay, what's your primary device here? You've got some different devices. You've got your cell phone. You've got your laptop. You're using the library desktop computer, which was the situation more so in community colleges than four-year institutions, which is interesting in itself. But um, once we determined what the primary technology was, then we asked, what kind of applications are you running? Predominantly, they were running Word. No surprises there. They're writing papers. And they were running a web browser. Then we pulled that layer back, and actually said to students, with their permission, can we look at your desktop? Can we see what you're running? This is interesting from a researcher point of view because so much of the research about multitasking, as good as it is, often relies on self-report. What have you done in the last day? What have you done in the last week? We decided to use a different methodology here by approaching students and asking them directly, show me what you're running right now. I want to take a snapshot. So the browser can have multiple tabs. Uh, right. Um, and if, if you look at my desktop, yes. um, I have many, many tabs because I tend not to close them. So right. if you were to assume that each of those tabs is something that I'm actively engaged in, you would be dead wrong. Some of those tabs are weeks old. I just never got around to them. So to closing them. So you look, you're looking at a browser. Um, how many and you, tabs and how active are they with it? Right, exactly. More what are you actively using now? A snapshot. Um, if, for instance, if I 
interview you right now and you were in the sample, I'd say that you have my report up. I'd say that you're really... Always do it. Uh, th- thank you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's good my, to it's know. It's, a, it's, it's called Balancing <laughs> Act, by the way. Um, and it's University of, of Washington. No, and I would say you're also recording uh, this particular interview. But, um, and then I might say, are you, do you have anything else open that you've been using? So we would look at the inventory, but then we would also ask to double check. Because as I said before, um, you've got your calendar open here on your other laptop. A situation, by the way, we found was rare. Two stu- students didn't have a laptop running as well as a desktop running. They could have been using the library desktop as well as, well as their laptops, uh, but that wasn't the case. So did they have lots of tabs open, and they're only reporting that they're using a few? It's, it's more that um, they were just had two websites that they were actively using, and this makes more sense if I tell you what was open. Yeah. They, and this is a really interesting finding, I think, is that uh, if you look at the chart in the study, actually, Facebook comes in first. No surprises there. Uh, and it was being used by 13% of the sample. Well, that's kind of low, actually. Then Google comes in second. But also in that mix, in those top 17, uh, where more than two... Of web pages. Web pages actively being yeah. used. Uh, was were Google, were an academic lib- uh, academic article, were Facebook. It was a mix, in other words. Um, the library portal was being used. So it's kind of a balancing between, in fact, it's what we argue in the report, that students are trying to strike a balance between communication and the need to stay in touch with their social sphere as well as productivity and getting their work done. And I think the proof is really in the pudding when you look at what sites they have open. Additionally, what I think is really interesting about that list, I think there were um, something like 1,000 different sites that students were using. They, there were a lot of one-offs. Of your, where a student, 560 interviews, you came right, up with 1,000. Right, right. So it, it shows and there's a that, long tail, sort of the exactly. cluster around the 17. and then Right, the exactly. Barely a cluster, if you really think about it, 13%. Yeah is the similarity in the same site that students are using. This tells us, this was a surprise for us. I mean, we thought that behavior would be much more consistent from one student to the next as far as what they were using. I mean, if you really think about the findings, uh, maybe if if somebody might say, well, I, I would figure all students would have Wikipedia open. All students would have Facebook. This really wasn't the case. We found one-offs where, uh, you know, students would have Tumblr open. Um, you know, somebody else would have the New York Times open, looking at an article or such, U.S. Census. But these were just one student at a time. So, yes, the long tail. Oh, so that, that is, um, that does fly in the face of a general perception that because there is so much, the head of the tail is so big for media sites that mm-hmm. the, the Google and Facebook's traffic is so much higher than the hundredth one down. Um, that therefore we'd expect the same distribution of awareness uh, presence on, on laptops. So that's, hmm. that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. It is interesting, and um, I think it's one of the more nuanced findings in the study. Um, and uh, when we did focus groups in 2008, often what I would do in the focus groups, I found it an interesting question. It's really how the study began, kind of a switch on this, uh, the question of what's in your knapsack. 
what are you carrying in your little knapsack today? Which there's a number of different studies that have looked at that to find out how students are different today. You find out that they've got their iPod, they've got their calculator, all this technology. They're always using technology. This study's different in the sense of what are you running on your yeah. what are you running on your primary device, which is in most cases the library laptop or the library desktop. I want to come back to that because that's another interesting finding here. And that is what we found is students are consciously, judiciously, what we say in the report, judiciously paring down the technology that they're using during crunch time in the library. This belies conventional wisdom. Uh, the library was a convenient setting. It also was one of our research questions. It would be really interesting to look at dorm rooms, coffee shops, and such in a, in a future study, and, and, and we acknowledge that in the report. But students are consciously paring down the, the technology that they're using, and they're using different techniques to do this. They're, they're actually trying to come up with ways on their own. Maybe a friend told them of limiting the technology and the distraction. What I was going to say about the library desktops, which I found fascinating, is a number of students in the debriefing and follow-up interviews explained that they had a laptop at home, and they left it there intentionally because they'd use the library desktop to stay away from Facebook and any of the other distractions, games. They're smart. They know how to limit their distractions. And that's part of the approach. So in the larger sense, um, this has allowed us to generate a theory that um, kind of gets underneath this public convention that students are always multitasking. What we've, what we've suggested or presented in the figure, uh, in the theory, is that under certain circumstances, the library, in this case, and crunch time, certain settings, the library, certain circumstances, crunch time, students moderate, they appear, these findings suggest, I'll talk like the academic that I am, um, they suggest that students consciously are paring down these different technologies. Which suggests that one of the more popular ideas for the future of libraries, as yep. libraries are concerned about that, um, is turn them into social learning spaces uh -huh. where sort of the Starbucks model coffee and comfortable chairs, students can learn together. Um, this, your findings and your hypothesis suggest that there is value also or instead of uh, in, in uh, setting up libraries to encourage the quiet, focused, contemplative study that libraries typically, traditionally have been about. I, I, I think that's an interesting point. And our study does um, reveal what the students in our sample, how they viewed libraries and the value. The value was really on the physicality of the space. The fact that they could, as one student said, I can go monastic. I can come here, I can use the library desktop, I can hunker down, I can write the paper that no I need. No distractions. No distractions. You know, maybe a friend will come in, but you know, you're under deadline pressure. And Well, the fact that you're not bringing your laptop, your equipment. which is filled with your distractions. As mine is. You know. Right, exactly. Um, with gaming, yeah. with uh, personal research, with what's what's different here? And um, it's a question, and, and, and it's a good question, I have to say, is how's this different than when you were in college or I was in college? We all, a number of us would 
go monastic and go to the library. I think what's different in this study and what's significant and really does reveal what's going on in libraries is we found a number of students, uh, which is antithetical to the model that you're suggesting, would go to a carol. The the social model. The social model, that they would go to a carol, they would go monastic, They'd use library equipment. Maybe they'd check out a laptop. In a few cases, not all libraries have that option. Maybe they would use a library desktop. And they would work independently. And um, they would constantly try to balance productivity and the need to feel studious and productive, which they saw the library and said, described the library in those terms, as well as communication needs which was the cell phone pinging them the whole time. So this is a different environment. I I think the best example of that is that students today, what they're struggling with that you and I didn't when we were in college, which is many years ago in my case, um, I noticed you have no comment. Uh, <laughs> you're not really? responding to that. Well, okay, well, no, so people, readers, please write in. But um, we can look that up online. But I, I think what's different class is... Class of 72, I got you beat. Oh, okay, yeah. that's true. I, actually, I was at class of 79 at Berkeley. Um, but, uh, you know, what's interesting is they're dealing with technology and they live in an always-on and always-receiving environment. This is really... It, this is funny in terms of being interesting, I think, because students, um, when we were students, maybe you had a Selectric typewriter. You know, that was a big thing. There was always somebody that had the Selectric typewriter on the dorm room floor. So now we have to explain what a Selectric typewriter is. Okay, well, the best thing about this, it was an electric typewriter, A, and then the high-end model. It was very rare. It was really premium technology. You could change fonts. You could change fonts. But it had, you're missing the the key, the killer interface. The killer app on the Selectric was the tape that could erase. The erase tape, So when you were applying to grad school or applying for a job, you know, you always found somebody that had that particular typewriter. But I think that points to how much things have changed. You would go to bed at night exhausted or maybe 3 a.m. in the morning many years ago in the 70s when we were both in college. And it was very unlikely. There were no answering machines even. It was very unlikely that your Selectric typewriter would wake you up in the middle of the night with a photo of your boyfriend or your girlfriend at a party with somebody else. This is kind of the world students live in. Uh, so they're, they're using a, a number of students. You know they're not using Selectric typewriters anymore. Right. Okay. <laughs> no, it's the world. The world that they're living in yeah. is um, the always on, always notifying world, which is really the distinction, a very important distinction right. between our world and students' world. So and you have to develop strategies. In the first part of our discussion here, um, I think that point actually um, was suppressed because the the uh, the surprising finding. Yes. One of the surprising findings of your study is no, they're not multitasking. As nearly as much as we thought. As we assumed. As we assumed, yeah. Um, but that other, div- and we've been talking mainly about the laptop, desktop, the computer. But from the beginning, you've said they have their cell phone, and their right. cell phone is interrupting them with texts and all the rest of the social media. So doesn't that count? That, that sort of pushes the meter back up on multitasking. They may not be going a lot to websites, but they're switching off or multitasking between. Um, hunkering down on the reading material 
and doing the writing and the interruptions, the social interruptions from the phone. From the phone. An interruption may be a prejudicial word here, by the way. Right. But, okay, and this, this is kind of interesting. We found that a number of students would monitor and regulate. It's almost like when you're in a deadline and you're in your office and you say, I'm not going to check email. I'm not going to check the phone for 15 or 30 or 60 minutes. I'm not going to check Facebook for 15 or 30 or 60 minutes. And that allows me to get something done during that time if you're working on a problem set, if you're writing a paragraph. I mean, you know, of course, this is questionable. Is this good learning? But um, interestingly enough, we found that time, those breaks in between where work was getting done, were being consciously done. In other words, they weren't just checking their cell phone at will that they might be in other settings when they weren't under the same amount of pressure. So, so they were using it as an incentive, actually, no, in a number of cases. Yeah, give, you know, or 30 or, or 60. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. And so, then I get the reward. So it, it was uh, typical that they would, um, that they're controlling their multitasking on the phone as well. Right. The they're controlling their environment, their information environment. It's not just flowing forward towards them. This is a different model. Um, then we've thought about multitasking, that we've thought about um, the use of technology and that students are managing it. They may be, uh, we've even suggested they may be using techniques that um, we haven't thought of. They're managing it in ways that we're just not considering. Uh, one study I thought was really interesting, which I, I thought was revealing, was one Latino student in a community college. Uh, we went through the inventory he had, was using the library desktop computer, he had his cell phone, and then he had a digital camera. And I said, what's that for? You know, it's a beautiful day. I thought maybe he was taking some photos. And he said, I, I love math. I'm taking a class in discrete mathematics. I can't afford the textbook. So what I do is I come to the library and I take a photo of the problem sets. And then I take the bus to and from school every day because I can't afford a car. And then I look at the problem sets and do them from there. Well, Interesting. he needs to be punished. Yes, exactly. He does it's need exactly to be punished. Exactly the sort of behavior we want to punish. <clears throat> but interesting and innovative. Also uses of social media in ways for, that... For copyright offenses. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> also uses of social media, uh, this was another part of the study, uh, in really interesting ways, to excel in classes and in other situations to pass classes. In other words, students would go to YouTube. Khan's Academy is a very popular site for just quick little two-minute how-to-do-equations. We found that being used. Uh, we found that so uh, somewhat being actively used when we actually interviewed students, but they had been using it throughout the semester. But also the use of YouTube. Um, one male student in, in particular said... I'm taking a biology class, and this week's lecture is on male reproduction. So I go to YouTube. I study in the book, then I go to YouTube, and I just type in male reproduction. And um, he said, you know, the visuals help, but it's really the ability to stop and repeat and go over the material again and again. And if you've ever taught, you know that's the key to good learning. So professors in an office hour um, can certainly review material, but as a student, you can ask tw maybe twice yeah. 
if you've really got a lot of nerve and there's not a line you can outside, you can say, I really don't understand so this, David. At that point, it's an admission of, of failure on the part of the student. Right, exactly. Right? It's, 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 you're basically yeah. saying, I don't understand the class. You really should you've, have gotten it. Right, know. exactly. And the professor's short with you or right. <clears throat> makes a notice. his or her ability to explain the material. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it can be very loaded. Um, I, I think that student summed it up well that said, um, really, the classes today are just stepping stones. You have to do all this extra work. Now, some of us may have felt that way in college when we were in college, and maybe that meant reading a journal article. If you really wanted to ace a paper, reading a book on your own. But in this case, um, it's the rising use of, of uh, social media. Well, it may also, I'm speculating, it may, uh, but obviously, it may also be the lowering of the cost of finding secondary material. So And it, time. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, mean, I was thinking about cost more broadly. Mainly right. it's time, right? So Right, um, and convenience. So when I went to school, graduated in 72, yes. uh, the stuff was not online, of course. Uh, online wasn't online. Um, and so uh, there could not be an expectation that I would go off and find the materials. It was a major expedition to find the materials, whereas now um, it's so easy to do that, that I can see why this would have an effect. Of, right. Yeah. Interesting stories. I, I, you know, the the use of social media, um, which we conclude with in the report, and kind of look out at these self starter students, were, which really weren't a huge percent. Um, a number of students had used social media, but more Facebook to get in touch for a study time or when a paper was due. This was far more common. But then you have these self starter students, who uh, were we're using social media in interesting ways and I'll just end with one study uh, with one comment where a student um, I think that that points to a much more interesting concern for academics for faculty for librarians for all of us and the student uh, was taking a class and he said I he was an engineering student he said I'm really interested in the plasticity of beams well, who isn't? Yeah. <laughs> and he looked at me with a knowing look. Of course, I was a rhetoric major. I was just, wasn't quite sure what that, <laughs> what that meant or if Aristotle had actually ever written about that. He had covered so much. Uh, but anyway, he said, I was interested in the plasticity of beams. He's going to a small institution. He said, I asked the professor. He didn't know much more than what he mentioned in class in the lecture. I looked at the course reading. Not much. Um, and I looked in the library, I looked online. But finally, I found a lecture being given at MIT by a professor that specialized in the plasticity of beams. And he leaned back and he said, I may be going here, but I just went to MIT. This raises incredibly interesting questions about mm, pedagogical authority and the erosion of it, or if you're on the other side of that argument, is it eroding or is this good learning? Well, there's food for thought. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. And